Welcome to Parcast Crime Bites. We wanted to give our listeners some additional content to help them dive even deeper into the true crime world. Every week, in addition to your normal Crimes of Passion episode, we're exploring the most fascinating true crime themes covered across the Parcast network. We've collected short clips from some of our most popular Parcast originals to help us explore ideas like motivation, method, and madness, and show how interconnected the true crime world really is. You can find the original episodes for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. A list of episodes that we used will be posted in the episode description. Today we're discussing cases of killers poisoning their victims. What motivates someone to use poison? Poison is an extremely rare method of murder. The FBI estimates that it's only used in half of 1% of homicides in the United States. When it is employed, the victim is typically someone close to the perpetrator. This makes poison attractive to killer caregivers and mothers killing their children. The FBI says that women are seven times more likely to poison their victims than men. In addition, killers over 30 are two times more likely to use poison than younger murderers. Their victims are often vulnerable populations, typically young children or older adults. The method often deceives investigators, as a poisoning death can look similar to a natural death, especially in older patients. According to researchers Marika Leem and Franz Kunrad, arsenic is the most common type of poison used in homicides. That's because it's colorless, tasteless, odorless, and often given in small doses over a long period of time. Victims are usually completely unaware they're being poisoned, until it's too late. In modern times, testing for poisons has become more advanced, but historically, poisoning was very difficult to detect. In today's Crime Bites, we'll investigate three cases of poisoning and delve into the motivations of the killers responsible. Our first clip comes from Parcast original Female Criminals, covering the crimes of Marjorie Congdon. Marjorie is strongly suspected of killing five people, but was never actually convicted of murder. Marjorie struggled with mental health issues from a young age. It's been speculated that she had an antisocial personality disorder. But because of the social stigma surrounding mental health, Marjorie never received treatment. Instead, her wealthy mother Elizabeth indulged her bad behavior and took care of any problems with payout. Once she was an adult, Elizabeth cut off her impulsive daughter. She wouldn't see any more of her mother's money until she was dead. In November of 1973, Marjorie went to visit her mother. She brought a jar of homemade marmalade with her. This was an odd choice of a gift as Elizabeth was diabetic and couldn't eat something as sugary as marmalade. But Marjorie insisted that Elizabeth share a marmalade sandwich with her. When Elizabeth declined, citing her dietary restrictions, Marjorie pushed the issue. Finally, Elizabeth's nurse intervened. She didn't want to see a fight break out, so she assured Elizabeth that it was okay to eat one small sandwich. Marjorie prepared the sandwiches and then sat and ate with her mother. After the meal and a brief conversation, Marjorie left. She took the remaining marmalade with her. That night, Elizabeth slipped into a coma. When her nurse arrived the next morning, she was frightened to find that Elizabeth wouldn't wake up. 
By the time a doctor arrived, Elizabeth was awake but confused. Her blood pressure and pulse were dangerously low. The doctor took a blood sample to try to determine what had caused the episode. Tests showed that Elizabeth suffered from an overdose of a tranquilizer called meprobamate. Elizabeth's nurse remembered Marjorie's insistence that Elizabeth eat a marmalade sandwich. But by now, the sandwiches and the marmalade were long gone, and there was no way to test for poison. Marjorie must have been devastated to learn of Elizabeth's recovery. She even reportedly told a friend she was disappointed not to receive her greatly needed inheritance. For her entire life, Marjorie had blamed Elizabeth for all of her problems. She believed she'd be free with Elizabeth's death. Dr. Donald W. Black of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine explained in an interview that people with APD tend to externalize guilt. Even when caught doing something wrong, a person with APD will blame their victims for creating a situation where the wrongdoer feels compelled to harm them. In that clip from Female Criminals, we heard how Marjorie Congdon allegedly poisoned her wealthy mother for her inheritance. But like many of Marjorie's suspected crimes, Marjorie was never proven to be responsible for the attempted murder. Yet four years after the poisoning, Elizabeth Congdon was brutally murdered. Elizabeth was suffocated in her sleep, and her nurse was bludgeoned to death. Marjorie's husband, Roger, was convicted of the murder in 1978 but friends and families had suspicions about Marjorie's involvement. She was in debt due to her impulsive spending. She had a lot to gain from her mother's death. Marjorie eventually went to trial, but was acquitted. She was later a suspect in four more murders involving people close to her, though she was never convicted. Like Marjorie's victims, our next subject faced a swirl of conspiracy theories and wild speculation after their death. Coming up, we discuss the possible poisoning of President Warren Harding. Now back to the show. Poison is an elusive murder weapon which often goes undetected, but it requires a killer to be intimately close to their victim. Our next clip from Medical Mysteries examines the potentially deadly relationship between President Warren Harding and his wife, Florence. In late July 1923, Harding fell ill. His homeopathic physician, Dr. Sawyer, diagnosed him with pneumonia and gave him some natural remedies to get over the illness. But Harding's other doctors were concerned that the pneumonia was causing Harding's heart to fail. By August 2nd, Harding had begun to improve and was strong enough to sit up in bed. But while his wife, Florence, was reading to him, Harding suddenly closed his eyes and died. The nation was shocked. Harding was a well-respected and admired president. Many who were desperate to find someone to blame pointed their fingers at Florence. In 1930, seven years after the death of U.S. President Warren G. Harding, a former FBI official named Gaston Means published a salacious expose. Means implied that the 57-year-old president hadn't died of natural causes, but had instead been murdered. He insinuated that Harding's wife, Florence, had poisoned the president in collaboration with the family's homeopathic doctor, Charles Sawyer. Means was circumspect, 
careful to only hint at the poisoning rather than to accuse Florence outright. But the nation caught his meaning all too clearly. The book was a bestseller and made many believe in a secret plot to kill President Harding. But whether there was any truth to Means' claims is up for debate. For the most part, Mrs. Harding's accusers have provided few specifics about the alleged poisoning. For instance, Means never specified which poison Florence allegedly used on her husband. This isn't particularly surprising, as there are thousands of chemicals that are toxic to the human body. Still, some poisons are more likely culprits, given the time period and the circumstances of Harding's death. If Sawyer really did conspire with Mrs. Harding, then arsenic may be the most likely candidate. Arsenic is a chemical element commonly found today in car batteries and bullets. Long-term exposure, usually through contaminated drinking water, can lead to numbness, abdominal pain, heart disease, and cancer. The poisonous effects of arsenic have been known for thousands of years. In 19th century France, it was even called inheritance powder because it was often employed by rich heirs to kill their parents for their inheritance. But arsenic also has been used for medicinal purposes. Powders made from the element were historically purported to remove blemishes, whiten the skin, and to treat syphilis prior to the discovery of penicillin. In 1878, an arsenic solution was even found to help treat leukemia patients by lowering their amount of white blood cells. Naturally, the toxic effects of the solution were eventually found to outweigh its benefits, but the use of medicinal arsenic continued into the 20th century. And Dr. Sawyer was known to prescribe arsenic to President Harding. It's not known how often he gave it to the president or in what dosage, but if it was administered over a long period, it could have made Harding's existing heart troubles much worse. It could have even caused the issues to begin with. If Sawyer had wanted to, he might have been able to slowly and discreetly make Harding sicker over the course of years. That clip from Medical Mysteries speculated that Florence Harding murdered her husband, President Warren Harding, based on a popular expose written after Harding's death. But Means had a reputation as a con man, so most people didn't take his claims very seriously. But it is still possible Harding was murdered. Arsenic was prescribed to President Harding, and according to Dr. Michael F. Hughes, arsenic poisoning was often confused for pneumonia because the symptoms are so similar. After all, Harding was initially diagnosed with pneumonia. Florence also seemed to have a motive. Her husband had been having an affair with Nan Britton, a secretary who bore Harding's child. Both poisonings we've covered so far were allegedly committed by someone close to the victim. But though it's less common, it's possible for toxins to be used in targeted assassinations as well. Our final clip from Today in True Crime features one of the most bizarre methods for delivering poison, an umbrella. On September 7, 1978, Bulgarian journalist Georgi Markov was sitting at a bus stop in London when he felt a slight prick on his leg. Georgi turned around to see a man pick up an umbrella and run to a taxi. Four days later, Georgi was dead. 
When 49-year-old Georgi Markov died suddenly on September 11, 1978, doctors initially believed it was of septicemia, possibly as a result of kidney failure. But due to the bizarre circumstances and the fact that Georgi Markov was a known figure, Scotland Yard began an investigation into this otherwise healthy man's sudden death. They biopsied the skin around the red mark on his leg where he had been stabbed and sent it to a chemical weapons research institute outside London. Embedded in his skin, the chemists found a tiny metallic sphere of an unusual composition. Analysis showed that the metal was a unique, hollow alloy capable of holding half a milligram of liquid. The sphere was empty, but the implication was stunning. It seemed as though Georgi Markov had not been spouting conspiracy theories. He was very likely assassinated. Further analysis showed that he was likely poisoned with ricin. This poison was made famous by the television show Breaking Bad, and it was Walter White's weapon of choice for good reason. Ricin is easily made, more poisonous than cobra venom, and has no antidote. In short, from the moment the umbrella struck Georgi's skin, he was a dead man. Several years after the murder, two former KGB officers admitted to the murder. Their names were Oleg Kalugin and Oleg Gordievsky. Both Olegs claimed that the KGB had a top-secret laboratory called The Chamber, which developed James Bond-esque gadgets like the murderous umbrella. However, that story has been countered by documents recovered after the fall of the Iron Curtain in 1991, which suggested that the Bulgarian government hired two low-level Italian criminals for the job. In 1995, British Parliament submitted a formal request to the Kremlin for help in identifying any KGB agents that might have been involved in Georgi's assassination. Russia never responded. Georgi's murder went unsolved for nearly 30 years. In fact, it wasn't until 2005 that the British public got answers. Leaked Bulgarian intelligence documents cited a hitman, Francesco Giulino. He was Danish, but worked for the Bulgarian equivalent of the KGB during the Cold War. He operated under the code name Agent Piccadilly and gained a reputation for being ruthless at his work. In that clip from Today in True Crime, we heard how investigators determined that Georgi Markov was assassinated using an umbrella laced with ricin. Nearly 30 years after his death, London police found documents suggesting Georgi was killed by the KGB. Georgi was a target because 10 years before his murder, he had defected from Bulgaria and became a journalist in London. Georgi made a career out of criticizing the Bulgarian regime. In addition to the leaked documents in 2015, former high-ranking KGB member Oleg Kalugin confessed that the KGB was behind the murder. But as of 2020, no charges have been brought to any suspects. Our criminals today showed many of the characteristics of textbook poisoners. 
Marjorie Congdon was over 30, female, and allegedly tried to kill one of the people closest to her, her own mother. Florence Harding and Dr. Sawyer were also close to their alleged victim, President Warren Harding. And while the KGB was not personally close to their victim, Georgi Markov's murder nearly went undetected because of their unusual method of delivery. We also saw a wide variety of poisons used in crimes, from the hard-to-detect arsenic possibly used on President Harding to the tranquilizer that may have been easily slipped into a marmalade sandwich. No matter the method, murder isn't easy. But clearly, poison is one of the most insidious weapons in a potential killer's arsenal. Thanks for tuning into ParCast Crime Bites. We hope you enjoyed this episode on poisoning. We'll be back next week with a new episode on the warning signs criminals often display during their childhoods. If you'd like to listen to the episodes we discussed today in full, simply search for our ParCast original shows, Female Criminals, Medical Mysteries, or Today in True Crime on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite podcast originals for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. I'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>